With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you on Monday, August 23rd. We are getting incredibly close to the start of the season, you guys. Week two of the preseason now in the books. And I feel like this is the last week of the preseason where we could reasonably not have any drafts, right? Like next week, I'm sure we all have drafts. The week after that, I'm sure we all have drafts. Do either of you guys have drafts this week, or is it one more week and then everything really kicks off? One more home league draft this week. One more week for me. Uh, well, another another light week. Yeah. You have one this Saturday, Jake? Yeah, the home league. The one that's been going for like 13 years now or something like that. But yeah, that's the big home one. The big one. The one, one of yeah. the top three that I care about. Yep, the yep, one where my friends sure. bring all my auction rankings with them. For yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't be your friends if they didn't do that. That's just how it goes. That's no, they'd be real friends work. if they want to beat them on their own accord. And then, and then you're a real friend. <laughs> that's uh, that's beautiful. That's, uh, that's just how things work here. I also have I have none this week, but then things really pick up in a big way the week after that. So uh, it's just an awesome time of year that we're all getting really excited for. And week two of the preseason launching us into it. That's where we're going to focus on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. The meaningful fantasy takeaways that we can have from the week two preseason game. So guys, let's let's just get in. Let's not waste any time. We're not going to talk about every game because not every game had really anything meaningful to take away from. But we do have a bunch of games that did give us some good stuff to talk about. I want to start things off with the uh, Broncos and really with Javante Williams, because maybe we need a check-in on him, you guys. And uh, this is not, you know, we're not, we're not saying these things as though it's yes, get worried about Javante Williams, but I think it's something worth discussing. So the Broncos first team offense ran 26 plays. Javante Williams played 15 of those snaps. Royce Freeman played 11. And so the question here is, and you can take this one first, Jake, are you worried about the fact that without Melvin Gordon out there, Javante Williams is still seeding away 11 first-team snaps as a rookie who could, you know, theoretically use as many first-team snaps as he could possibly get before the lights really turn on in a couple of weeks. No, because the, the real situation here is it's the same as Miles Gaskin, but he's not Miles Gaskin. He's a rookie. So the expectancy was always that Javante Williams would be the guy after a few weeks. You know, I kept throwing out like the six-week timetable, made the similarity comparisons to Miles Sanders. And I think that's where everything should be going this entire time. It's been half, but it's been half still Williams. He's the constant. Gaskin has been the constant. It switched roles with Gaskin because the first week was Malcolm Brown, and now last week was Savon Ahmed. Malcolm Brown fell to third. But the consistent between Gaskin and Williams is that they are the half, a little bit over half, and the lead option. But again, the comparison and why I brought up Gaskin is because unlike Gaskin, you're not drafting him as the starter right now. You're still drafting him as in the eventual starter, and that's where the price is reflected in his ADP. 
it's still close to at, to Gaskin, but that's also because I think we all believe, and I still do, that Williams has the higher ceiling once he is the guy. But don't expect him to be the guy in week one. You should have never expected him to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's just, you know, go back and look at all the great, you know, a lot of great running backs. They just don't get a lot of run in week one, and, and everything kind of happens in the first two to three weeks. You even look at Jonathan Taylor last year. He wasn't set to do a whole lot until Marlon Mack, you know, blew out his Achilles. And he had, I think Jonathan Taylor ended up with like nine carries in week one, but had Marlon Mack not gotten hurt, you know, we probably wouldn't have saw him, you know, they would have slow played him just like most coaches do with NFL uh, rookies and, and rookie running backs. So I, you know, I'm not concerned. Royce Freeman, you know, he was buried last year. They went out and got Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to, you know, make Royce Freeman meaningfully, you know, on a level or with Javante Williams after a couple weeks of the preseason. Right, right. The question isn't about is Royce Freeman going to suddenly be in the mix here. It's is that the, no Melvin Gordon, no Mike Boone in this game, and he was still giving away 11 snaps to someone who is as buried as Royce Freeman is. That's I, really I, 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the thing is probably going to be a common thing here is how much do they need to see him in these games mm-hmm. for them, you know. And back to Jake's point, they probably are moving forward with a plan that they're not going to give him a huge amount of work in the first few games right. of the year. So that's kind of what that's where I'm at with it as well. Well, at the same yeah, time, what I mean, you, like what, how much like what are you going to see from 90 percent of the workload versus 60 percent of the workload anyway? Sure. Like, like yeah. you, you weren't put it this way. You if you're the Broncos, you draft Williams with the expectancy that he will be the guy probably this year. Worst case mm-hmm. scenario next year. But at the same time, you know Melvin Gordon is on his last legs as your starter. So why would you go out there and potentially risk Williams getting hurt on 90% of the touches in a week mm-hmm. two preseason game? And now down there, down to Melvin Gordon, who still hasn't played, and Royce Freeman and Mike Boone, as you mentioned. And Mike Boone didn't play, it sounds like, because of injury risk. Yeah. Well, yeah. by the way, I mean, like, this is a weird year. Because, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of preseason. And I think a whole bunch of teams are doing it differently, like in Seattle. There's been no Russell Wilson, Chris Carter, DK Metcalf, or Tyler Lockett. I think everybody's different. You know, some want to see their yeah. guys a little bit. Some don't want to see them at all. And some are giving them, you know, a pretty appreciable. It's all over the map. It's all <laughs> it's, over it's, the it's, map. It's, yeah. So, And that's the thing is some of them are giving some players everything they can see, but still mixing them with second unit players. Yeah. Like it's not even all the first unit guys. I mean, you bring that up. And I, I jokingly said this on the show with Chris meeting this morning and said, you know, you have teams like the Giants the Lions, the Panthers with three quarterbacks who they're not playing this preseason that we're all sitting here being like, uh, you might want to evaluate your quarterback because I wouldn't be like, seriously, the Giants are running out their second team offensive line and nobody knows that their offensive line is any good. So it's, it's like you said, we have no idea what all these teams are doing this preseason. Yeah. And yeah, I, and I kind of feel like mid, we know that the bad. Giants aren't, their offensive line isn't good, but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I think that's where we're assuming things. I was about to say, is, right it, is the offensive line isn't is the off- offensive line aren't because it's multiple like a team like it's the Giants. It's, it's singular, so it's but it's a singular yeah. unit. Yeah. Well, this Giants a are a singular unit. I know, but th- that's the thing is the Giants. <laughs> you can actually say the Giants are because despite the fact that they're a singular unit, the common places to say we could are bring over we could bring over English <laughs> yeah. soccer uh, verbiage <laughs> and say that the Giants the, is. I, do please that. don't. Please don't. <laughs> 
Uh, one last point on, on Javante, and it plays into what you guys are saying. 15 snaps, seven carries, and two targets. So you like seeing that sort of ratio, that he's out there for 15 snaps and he got nine opportunities, turned those seven carries into 20 yards, caught one of the two targets for five yards. Uh, let's move on to a Chiefs and Cardinals game where we have a couple of receivers who are already ascending and certainly did nothing to slow that ascent in this game. We can start out with McCole Hardman. The arrow very clearly up for him. Played 29 first-team snaps. Got eight targets, caught four of them for 39 yards and a touchdown. He was playing in two wide receiver sets over Byron Pringle. This was after playing every single snap in week one. I mean, Brandon, is there any reason to think that McCole Hardman is not the clear third option in the passing game behind Tyreek and Kelsey? Well, we've heard them, you know, there's been talk about him running in two wide receiver sets with Tyreek Hill. Again, I don't know that it makes sense to have two guys that are diminutive like that and kind of have a similar game uh, playing out there together. I, I always made a little bit more sense at Pringle's skill set mixed in there. Um, but if they are going to play him in two wide receiver sets, yes, he's a lot more interesting. He's always been a, you know, a good fantasy per target player just you know the issue is just finding targets in that offense so if they're going to do it that's fine I'm not sure that this was more than them just kind of testing the waters on that as opposed to just saying this is who he's going to be now he's going to be the number two receiver office opposite Tyreek Hill so I still I still see that there could be some experimentation or playing around with how they want to actually set it for the season but I'm, I'm probably still putting my money on Pringle having a little bit higher snap count yeah this, this, we want Michael Hartman to be in two wide receiver sets. And if that carries forward, then yeah, he's a nice value. We, Brandon just mentioned there's not much more to go off that. You have the stats and all the numbers of saying, you know, when there is no Watkins and Hill, but that was part of the thing. It was just no Watkins and Hill. It wasn't anything to do with Kelsey. It was just that both wide receivers were out the window and what he was doing on being able to be reliable in fantasy. So you say no Watkins and he's the number two. Well, you know, let's go back to Watkins, who arguably at his peak is a better, I mean, all around wide receiver, a better fit as a two alongside Hill. And even Watkins was inconsistent because we joked about it. Week one Watkins and then nothing else for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. So I think even being a number two in two wide sets is going to be more than I'm willing to pay in drafts. I think the excitement of what people think could be versus what actually happens and the inconsistency of what happens because at any given day, at best, that means he's still fourth in the pecking order behind Hill, Kelsey, and Edwards Alaire slash backfield. Yeah, I think the, the weird thing to say there right there is that the Chiefs' number three option hasn't really mattered that much, which is weird for a team that's so potent throwing the ball. So Yeah, and we really haven't seen anyone – we definitely haven't seen anyone be a consistent – uh, third passing game option for this team, at least not you know not including the running back getting in the mix a, as a receiver. But we haven't seen a receiver step up alongside Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and be someone who is a consistent week in week out fantasy option. A lot of people betting on McCole Hardman becoming that guy. Maybe we get a little bit more in that direction in the third week of the preseason. On the other side of this game, arrows pointing up for Rondale Moore as well. You guys played all nine of the team's first team snaps. Played seven of those in the slot, even though Christian Kirk was out there. So maybe good news for Rondale Moore getting those sorts of snaps. And again, five targets and a carry on nine snaps. This was after huge usage in week one as well. Clearly, they're making it a priority to get the ball in his hands in the preseason and see what he can do with that. Jake, what are you doing with that sort of information on Rondale Moore? 
I mean, I'm drafting him for the upside, but it's you got to be careful to watch like where this is going to fall because there's been wide, league-wide excitement. I mean, league-wide as an industry-wide would be the better term to yeah. put it in fantasy community for more similar to Elijah Moore. Uh, the difference between right. the two is that Rondell's getting the opportunities. He's getting the play. He's also healthy, 100% healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. So at some point, Rondell Moore's price in drafts is you're going to have somebody who's like, ooh, I got to get Rondell Moore. And yep. at that point... That's where you have to be. You have to be careful about it. You can definitely take him ahead of where he's going because I think at this point he's still around the 11th, 12th round. So you could definitely jump in on the 10th, maybe even 9th. But play. it's more of, you know, we throw out these rounds and then people will get those rounds locked into their head. Mm-hmm. Look who's still on the board. That's really what's more important. Like, are you drafting him in front of Marvin Jones? No, mistake. Like, that. that's kind of what you have to look at. And so I want more uh, Christian Kirk. You know, whether he's in the slot or outside, you know, this is one of those ones where we could have hoped for more career-wise, and maybe it just never happens and pans out, unfortunately, for Kirk, but he wouldn't be the first to have that happen to him. Um, sure. I'm still a little hesitant of all this because Hopkins is still not there, and Hopkins is going mm-hmm. to command 140-ish targets, and so it's 140-ish targets, and this offense really spreads things out after Hopkins. So I love more, but I have a feeling that you got to be careful where his price ends up. Yeah, I mean, the guy is a, obviously a physical freak. He's, he's short, though. I, I think the thing here for me that I have a hard time grasping with Rondell Moore is how is he, is he if he's just organically involved in the passing game as opposed to them just going out of their way every yeah. week to manufacture touches for him. So, And I, yeah. I really think that's what they're – fair point. They're going to do that, and that could work out great, but when they don't, I think that's when you're going to get probably that day that you wish you'd sat him in, in fantasy. Yeah, for the sake of conversation, so I'm looking at NFFC ADP. I know that's high stakes ADP. I know it's going to be different than a lot of people's drafts, but it's just an easy uh, one of the best things, uh, one of the best ways to highlight a specific time period and not be reaching all the way back to drafts that happened in June or whatever. And, and so over the last two weeks, Rondale Moore is wide receiver 57 overall ADP of 142. So that's right at the end of the 12th round, as you said, Jake, Definitely in a 12 team okay league. The other receivers in his general draft area. Devontae Parker, Henry Ruggs, T.Y. Hilton, Jalen Rager, Terrace Marshall, someone who we'll talk about in a little bit. That feels fair, right? That feel that feels like a, a nice group of upside guys. I would take him ahead of most of those at that point. Yeah. Hilton, I, I, I don't understand I, I, like I don't understand why nobody wants to draft T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> Especially with Carson Wentz uh looking like he's coming back and someone who will maybe talk Even about not, on Thursday. Easton, given Easton's that, got uh, a giant arm. He even does have the big arm, but obviously we'd rather see Wentz in there. And, hey, Wentz is going to practice on a limited basis, at least this week, according to our Zach Kiefer. So maybe we'll check in on Carson Wentz on Thursday. Let's get into one more thing with the Arizona Cardinals here before we move on from this one. Uh, first time we saw James Conner in the preseason, so I thought it would be helpful to just talk about the Edmonds and Conner breakdown, especially since all three of us are in on Conner at ADP versus Edmonds at ADP. Uh, Edmonds played seven snaps. Conner played three snaps. Really not a ton to take away from that, and maybe we need to see something here in the third preseason game before we can really uh, feel great about how we're lining up on this backfield. But was there anything, Jake, from these guys that you saw that you felt was moving the needle at all for you or just you know wait and see what happens in week three? Or maybe I've already seen enough and I'm comfortable with where I stand on these two guys. Yeah, that's where I stand this entire time is they should basically be back-to-back, same cost in drafts, whether auction or snake or whatever it might be. James Conner is going to be a factor for as long as he's healthy. We know Chase Edmonds is more explosive and more used in the passing game, but you know it's just it's going to be frustrating week to week at the same time because this is one of those backfields that 
kind of more percept perceived value than there is like true value, even if there was a bell cow behind them. Sure. So you know, sure, but I don't want to. I don't want either one of Edmonds or Connor more than my flex running back at bet. Like I would love to have him as my four, but I, at that point of what's on the draft, I'm usually going wide receiver anyway. Yeah, it feels like a like this. You know, well, we're trying to pick a winner here. It could just end up being a straight platoon. Um, but you know what was interesting? Kenyon Drake had ten touchdowns last year, and Kyler Murray had twelve. And Kyler Murray's talking about how he wants to run way less. Like that could be the thing. Really, is, is Connor just at the goal line? That that could be the true you know difference maker between where these two value end up lying. But I, you know, right now I think the touches could end up being very very close definitely has the feeling of a backfield that we've spent so much time talking about in the preseason and then ultimately falls into what in hindsight will look like relatively predictable usage so maybe we get a little bit more from these guys in week three but Jeff just wanted to touch on this backfield since it was the first time we saw Connor he did not play in the first week of the preseason looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's come back for some more here. Before we get to our next uh, question or our next topic, I want to bring in a, a question because it involves one guy we just talked about and one guy who we are about to talk about. This one coming from Tim Morrison. Tim, thanks for watching us on YouTube. Debating between Corey Davis and Rondale Moore for my final bench spot in PPR. I think we're all very firmly on the former rather than the latter. This is a, an easy Corey Davis slam dunk. Yes, guys. This yep. isn't even a conversation, and this no. goes to my proof of whether Rondell Moore hype is being out of control. <laughs> and, and I'm not coming for I'm not coming for Tim. I'm just like this is yeah. like, this is a worlds apart. This is rounds multiple apart. Corey Davis has been getting like, what a seventy percent target share. Let's get so to it. That was the next. That was the next topic. I mean, the the surge is coming, right, guys? We've talked about this now. I mean, I want to say the first time we talked about it was four or five weeks ago, talking about Corey Davis as like the wide receiver 49 by ADP and how that couldn't possibly stay there all summer. And now we're seeing it before our eyes, another big game in preseason week two. I mean, how much, how high should he climb or how high would he have to climb before you were thinking he was overvalued, Jake? Mm, Could it even get there realistically? I don't know if he will. I was going to say once he starts pushing the top 30, and I'm just trying to think yeah. Yeah, at the top of my head because the 30s right around. Yeah, 30 in my rankings. That's Robbie Anderson, Odell Beckham, Debo, Sutton, like uh -huh. right in that range. And but he, he belongs should, in that group. I, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. It's like he deserves to be in that conversation because the bigger, biggest concern, and myself included, was that 
is the target share going to be enough with all the weapons like Jameson Crowder didn't go anywhere. Elijah Moore is a great talent. You know, with Denzel Mims, if people want to get on that, well, I think that train is dead and like off the side of the mountain at this point. But <laughs> there was concern about how many. Poor you Brandon. Know, yeah. Poor Brandon Funston. <laughs> Poor Brandon. Denzel yeah, Mims' guy. biggest fan. We have not heard the last of Denzel Mims yet. No, we haven't. Are you going to go that fiery record? It might not be 2021, but we have not heard his final chapter yet. Mail you a fire extinguisher so you can put it out and go get his corpse out of there. Uh, Look, but that's where he should. You know who's a great comparison? Who's who's in that range and I've had in that range the entire time, and now Corey Davis is right there with him is Marvin Jones. Like that's. They should be inside the top 35, right on the cusp of top 30, and that's where I'm willing to go this entire time. It's, it, it just speaks to the depth of wide receiver, though, because I have him at right now at, like, 39, and I have a really hard time, you know, like, moving guys down. It's just a, it's a strong group right in that area, but I, I definitely agree Corey Davis belongs. Well, at this point, here's one for you guys. Corey Davis or DJ Shark? It's Corey Davis, right? Ooh, I would take Corey Davis with that. Yeah, wouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah, I think I have Shark one ahead of him, but, yeah, you're right. It's like I, I, I have a hard time figuring out where I'm going to settle on Shark. You know, it's just the injury mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, it's just – I almost need some context of the first couple weeks of the season. He's such a hard guy to judge because of everything we've seen in Jacksonville, too. Yeah. I went from a month ago, speaking of you asked, Beller, that my weekend, this weekend, auction keeper, I was a month ago, I was like, shark for 11 bucks, lock it in. Now I'm like, uh, maybe not. (laughs) Yeah. Three bucks, maybe, if I could get him at that that low. Toss shark back uh, into the waters. Oh, nice. Oh, bang. There we go. Corey Davis, uh, Four catches, six targets, 70 yards. He played 15 of 19 first-team snaps for the Jets. Targeted on 10 of 13 routes so far this season. So we're just seeing ridiculous usage. That's obviously going to come down once the regular season is here. But Corey Davis definitely way more of a wide receiver top 30, 35 player than the barely inside the top 50 player he's been being treated as for a large chunk of this preseason. How about Michael Carter, guys? Uh, This is similar in the discussion to what we were talking about with Javante Williams in that is it time to worry about him? But I think a lot more reason to be worried about Michael Carter than Javante Williams. Michael Carter didn't take a snap with Zach Wilson on the field in this game. And I don't care how much you're saying we want to protect player X or player Y. You want to see your rookie running back at least for a little bit with your rookie quarterback, if you plan on him having a major role at the start of the season. I don't know, Brandon, I mean, you've been very bullish on Michael Carter all offseason. Really, both you guys have, but I'm just going to Brandon first here. Are you starting to pull back on that after what we've seen in this preseason usage? I'm kind of happy because no one you know, at the running back position probably had more helium from the day that they were drafted until, like, you know, a couple weeks ago. And, like, I, I love the guy. I just think he's a special talent. And but I was, you know, I was having a harder time getting him in drafts. I think this might, you know, give me an opportunity. I'm still going to buy because it really comes down to betting on Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman versus Michael Carter. And I don't think it's Mm -hmm. I still don't think it's a I don't think it's close. Um, And if this is something where I have to eat Michael Carter for a couple weeks, two, three weeks before, uh, you know, the Jets really start to lean into him. I'm okay with that. It is weird that he got 10 carries and got all the snaps and they weren't with Zach Wilson. That's fine, but again, I think this is just uh, you're going to have to take the you know the long range view on this one for the season and not worry about week one with Michael Carter. It'll happen. I I feel very strongly that it's still going to happen, but it just might take a few weeks. Well, and then that's the biggest thing is that you mentioned part of it is it wasn't actual situational usage either. They rotated mm-hmm. 
uh, plays. Like it was right, the right. series. The series is the word I was yeah. looking for. <laughs> so the one thing is too is they didn't have Tevin Coleman before this. So, you know, they need to see Tevin Coleman. It's something I brought up before about running with the ones, about that's how you evaluate mm-hmm. players, and they're trying to evaluate Ty Johnson. They're trying to va- evaluate all of them. So, of course, yep, the same thing, points. and why, why I said that, Beller, is because it was the Denzel Mims thing, is when you're not running with the ones, it's concerning. But Carter did in week one. He didn't this week. So I think this tells us two things. This one is, yeah, he wasn't running with the ones. They were getting an evaluation of Tevin Coleman. They brought in Tevin Coleman. So that's the concern is, as mm-hmm. you know, the, the situation we thought was going to be is it's going to be Tevin Coleman slash Michael Carter, similar to Melvin Gordon slash Javante Williams. I'm with Brandon. I don't think it's Carter versus Ty Johnson at all. I don't think Ty Johnson can even hold the candle to Michael Carter. So... This is a good thing because Michael Carter's helium was really <laughs> inflated, as Brandon said. So I'm I'm fine with Carter, but here's the real part of it too: is you weren't drafting Carter to start your Week One roster anyway. Hopefully, probably true. And if you if he got that far, this is a good thing to bring it back because it should have never been that far. This should have been a a nice flex option maybe to start the season with the breakout happening in the second half. Um, but that's really what it comes down to. I think you said it. Williams and Carter are similar in different styles, but similar scenarios. Michael Carter, last two weeks, ADP on NFFC is running back 30, 75.8 overall. His full summer long Joe Public ADP, running back 33, running back 30, running back 33 here, uh, 77 overall. So basically the same uh, rubbing elbows with Damian Harris, who we're going to talk about, uh, Melvin Gordon, Trey Sermon, guys like that. You still comfortable with him there, Jake? Yeah, I would take Trey Sermon over all those. But he's that's the range that would put him in. I I've, I'm doing a guillotine league right now, so of course it's freaking 17 teams. But I took <laughs> Michael Carter in round five, and then took Coleman in round eight because now I have the Jet starter until Michael Carter takes yeah. it. It's guillotine league, so that understand it's almost yeah. similar to best ball in a way. Um, right. But you know that that's that's kind of what you would do. So. I don't love Tevin Coleman, but I'm bringing that up. To, and also, we're talking 17 teams, so that means Michael Carter is probably late fifth, if not sixth, and Coleman's more of like a 10th or 11th rounder, and you can do that. I don't love doubling up at backfields, but it was like, okay, I got the Jets starter until Coleman loses the job to Michael Carter. I was just Brandon, looking, you're comfortable in that range too? Yeah, well, I was just looking at the, the, the Superflex Flex League draft that I was in, and Michael Carter went Super RB. Flex. flex. Yeah, he went RB twenty five, and that's where I've been seeing him go. I I know that the mm-hmm. you know the public ADP and the NFC ADP are showing him lower, but man, it doesn't seem like he goes ever goes lower than like the mid twenties in the drafts that I've been in. Yeah, so uh, something to watch as we get into the early part of the season, and something we need Look, to watch put, right now, put guys. This, put it this way: every single oh, man, year, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. get everybody you like. Like oh, of course. Every every single year. No, no, I mean, no. I mean, like, okay, I want the top twelve players. Period. No, I just mean like, we would love to get Michael Carter. We would get love to get Javante Williams. We would love to yeah. get Rondell Moore. You can't sometimes because of the hype. Mm-hmm. It's like don't get so locked into a player that you overdraft and prevent yourself from getting any return value because sometimes the community comes around and they're all in on the same guy. Something you can't always get what can't always get what you want. I mean, that's just the truth. Hey. If you're gonna if you're gonna sing a Rolling Stone song, give it a little bit more gusto. Don't give it <laughs> no, like uh, this this half-assed <laughs> no, shot no, no. at it. But if I you gave it gusto, Beller, I would have destroyed it. I was actually giving them respect by not trying to sing. <laughs> had a Rolling Stone shirt singing's... on our last show. I was proudly displaying it. My favorite band of all time. Get into it. Pay Mick you Jagger the respect he deserves. You sing it. Man. You can't always get what you want. Just like that, Jake. That's what you there do. You but if you try, sometimes. 
you just might find that you get. I want to. I want to hear the little in. choir voice at the beginning. <laughs> um, we'll work on it, and we'll all we can we can do we can attack that as a trio for our next episode. Nope. Is it time to get excited about Zach Wilson, guys? Is it time? Because we know that this is a pretty decent little group of weapons they've put around him, and he looked the part in this game, in this Week 2 preseason game uh, for the Jets. 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns, made some big throws. Uh, obviously, we know the rapport with Corey Davis already looking very strong. Is he? I mean, no one's going to draft it in a traditional league. No one's drafting Zach Wilson starting in Week 1 as their Correct. QB1. But super flex leagues uh streamer discussions like is he starting to ascend just up rankings after what we've seen so far in the preseason where are you at on this brandon uh is it time to get excited about zach wilson it's time to get excited about zach wilson if you're in a super flex league and he's your number three quarterback yes Ooh, i scored three i scored zach Wilson. i mean how how <laughs> how high can you move the guy i mean it's a pretty it's pretty strong i mean you're talking about to be your second uh, super flex quarterback, you're talking about having to move him ahead of like Derek Carr. Well, as much as you want to poo-poo Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> we finally get it. We finally got it right. He's never been outside <laughs> the top 20 in fantasy. Like he's he's very predictable. I think, he, you know, you can maybe get him to like QB 24, 25, but that's probably about as high as you can go right now. And, and as far as the streaming conversation goes, that's a, that's a question for the week that you're actually thinking about streaming and what he's done to that point uh we'll have to see a play out but look i think we're we're he's not getting any kind of the rookie rookie quarterback love that everybody else is and he was mm-hmm. the number two overall pick he was picked ahead of trey lance and we kind of kind of forget about that uh there is some talent here but obviously the rushing upside isn't as big as some of those guys and he's in a, mm-hmm. you know the environment's not as good as trey lance but deserves to probably be talked about a little bit more than we have you said Superflex. I actually have a couple of shares of Zach Wilson because uh, I said this is, of course, a month ago, and it looks a little bit different now because you've kind of made the estimations that Trey Lance could be early in the season. Justin Fields could be early in the season, but could be, could be, mm-hmm. could be. And the reason a month ago I had a decent amount of Superflex redraft only, and this is what my suggestion was to people, is like if you are doing a Superflex redraft, I was – and today still, depending on how I'm building my team, would take Wilson over Lance and Fields if yeah. you want somebody you know that you need him to start if you come out of your co- like so Brandon's right in the fact that like you want him as your third I think you could get away with him as your second depending on how your team's constructed well, for sure if you're okay sure 12 teamers, yeah. yeah if you're okay with the Daniel Jones Derek Carrs like that's your second quarterback and you built up like maybe you went Kelsey early you went heavy at running back or wide receiver so your quarterbacks are like a Tannehill and Wilson or Tannehill and Daniel Jones or something like that so that's where you're taking the hit you're taking the hit at quarterback on the flip side if you have him as your third, then I actually dis- – this is where I agree and disagree with you, Brandon. I don't want him as my third. I'd rather have Fields or Lance as my third because I want the higher upside. I want Wilson mm-hmm. if I need to start a quarterback in week one because I know he's starting in week one, and I know he's the safest floor out of the three because I don't know when Lance and Fields are starting. And there's a chance that both of their teams, which we hope they're smarter than this, but both of their teams could pull the freaking uh, Dolphins of last year and be like, oh, we got to go back to the other start, then start dicking around with it and going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and all of a sudden you got a screwed situation. Jake, just getting back to the super flex, flex draft, uh, Lance – Quarterback 18, Justin Fields, quarterback 19. See, I, I, I agree with you. I just think people are being stupid about Lance and Fields in a super flex format right. where they're well, dra- sure. drafting as a number two QB. It just doesn't make any sense. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got to come out of there with something a little bit higher than that because we don't – I mean, and no matter what we want for those two guys, we don't 
really know for sure when they are going to be handed the reins for their respective teams. And as Brandon and I were talking about before uh, the show got started here, Justin Fields didn't look particularly great in uh, the Bears' second preseason game. We're not really going to get into that one, but we will get into someone from the other side of that Bears-Bills game. And really, I guess it's the whole backfield, but... Devin Singletary just he he didn't like do a ton, but he uh. looked good doing what he was doing. He just did. I know, Jake. I <laughs> want to say the same thing. I have a billion Matt Breida best ball shares, but Devin Singletary he just he looked good. He looked spry. He had a nice little run for a for a touchdown. He had two carries for twenty one yards and a score. Like I, he looked good. And Zach Moss like they both they both basically delivered what the Bills are expecting from them this season. And with a murky backfield, I think that's important. Mm, no, it's it's oh because <laughs> want nothing to do with it. I want something to do with it if it cleared out the way where somebody was sixty percent, sixty five percent. That was the hope for a post-excitement player. I don't want to say sleeper because he wasn't a sleeper. Everybody went bananas. Went too far with him last year. Said that so many times last year is get off the Zach Moss insanity. Uh, mm. At the same time, because people had that happen and got so frustrated by it, with the, you know there was a value. But that was hoping that Zach Moss was going to be the lead with Singletary as a complimentary piece. If it's a split backfield, I don't want it because it's a split backfield behind the lead option, which is Josh Allen. If you gave me one, even if it's Singletary, like I don't love Singletary. I think Singletary coming out of the draft was a little bit underrated, but now he feels like he's overrated. Is if it was Singletary getting 65% and Zach Moss was only the third down pounder and mm-hmm. at the goal line and stuff like that, sure, I'll take Singletary. But a complete split backfield with Bat Breida, as you mentioned, in the mix as well, there's no way on earth. Like, I want even less to do with this backfield than I want to do with the Buccaneers backfield. Yeah, fourth fewest fantasy points from the Bills backfield last year. They are like fourth fewest receptions to running backs i think the problem wait let's see if we can figure out the other three <laughs> jets giants have got to be two of them oh right? hold on let me see for d- oh you don't have the list right here for receptions to running backs or for just uh no you, I, I thought you said points for the back jets fields, is right? one of them um giants are one yeah. of them no giants are we're two spots ahead of them oh wow Ooh. think about who went in big on a running back in the draft Bengals. oh no in the draft Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was last. The Jets were second yeah. to last. Oh, this draft. Yeah. And, so there's one more. There's one draft. more, and we'll be talking about their backfield, and it's a it's a big question mark. <laughs> it's a big question. Massive. Mark. The biggest question uh, mark in all of fantasy football. Patriots. No, the worst team in the league, probably. The, the Lions. The Texans? the Texans. Yes. Texans. Yeah. So, um, I think the problem with the Bills is that. For the, I like how we both went to the yeah. Lions. <laughs> the worst team in the NFL. You mentioned Josh Allen. <laughs> like, you know, Josh Allen kind of be the lead guy, stealing goal line carries. But I think also you have Stephon Diggs, you have Cole Beasley. Josh Allen never checks down because I don't think he ever thinks he needs to. You know, like he, yeah. it's like he just don't need. It's Mahomes is a little bit the same way too. You got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. If you're looking downfield, you're getting the ball to them. And you're not worried about dumping it off a whole lot. I think it works out that way. So they're a they got huge cannons for arms. They also have the hubris and the kind of like the confidence to feel like mm-hmm. I can throw downfield every time I drop back. Yeah, definitely a concern. Uh, something that I wanted to get into with the way I, he, he looked, he looked good. I, I, I liked what I saw from him, but uh, I, I like the problem is, is like when you get to that range of the draft and like the other running backs and then like Moss and Singletary are relatively close to one another. Uh, you also see people being drafted in that range, like AJ Dillon, uh, uh, James Conner, who we've talked about yes. a little bit, Kenyon Drake, 
Yes. Um, I'm David Johnson, I guess, is stubbornly in that nope. range. Obviously, <laughs> he's falling right. down. He's now, obviously now falling he down me, here. <laughs> he's not really going to be in that range. Um, Gus Edwards, who I would take over these yes. guys, yes. right? But like this, this really gets back to like this is a wide receiver range of the draft. Yeah. It is, really? or what I keep saying, it's either wide receiver range or just dra- draft one of the high-end backups, like a yeah. Dylan or Pollard. you know a Pollard yeah. or something like that. I yeah. skip over Latavius yeah. Murray because all of a sudden now Latavius Murray might be cut. Like, what are that? <laughs> like, that that's got to be like motivational, right? Like, we really think Murray's lose, losing his job to Freeman? <laughs> that can't possibly be true, can it? It just, it just. That yeah, there's there there's no way that that's that about is as much truth to Urban Meyer saying there's an open quarterback competition. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, you, back wait. away from the Saints. It's time to start backing away from the Saints <laughs> in general. That feels like an off the cliff sort of team this year, which is actually why I have like zero Alvin Kamara shares, yeah. which feels like blasphemy because I love the guy and he carried me to multiple championships with that Week 16 six touchdown game last year, but. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a team that seems like it's in a little bit of trouble. Let's move on to our next thing. We actually have a question that leads us into our next topic. This one coming from Connor Johnston. Connor, thanks for watching us on YouTube. Everyone loved Tua when he was drafted. Called him a bust last year. What will we say about Tua after this season? Tua let it rip, you guys. Tua looked pretty decent in this Week 2 preseason game. Uh, the stats definitely telling that sort of story for sure for Tua Tungavailoa. 16 for 23, 183 yards and a touchdown. Did it without Will Fuller or Devontae Parker playing in that game. Jake, you uh, sort of guffaw as we bring it up. Yes. So are you not buying Tua after what we've seen so far? No, quite the opposite. No, I was guffawing at like the everyone called him a bust. Get the bleeping oh, okay. hell out of here with this nonsense. I, like, I was I was wondering cuz you've been you've been uh back no, on Tua this, this year for sure. This is beyond no, that's cuz I never left. This is beyond yeah. like the frustrating thing in fantasy and real life is we want to like write players off for careers after half of a rookie season, a full rookie season, five games at the end of the year Jalen Hurts. Like we're like we're done with players. Like <laughs> oh, he didn't do anything. He looked and how many times have I said it on this podcast? How many times have I said it in articles is Tua was one of the best. Yes, I was in that, everyone. I was in the one of the best in the draft mm. prospects and all that type of stuff. But at the same time, as many times I've said is it's partly due to the Dolphins last year and the fact that they tried to hold yep. the pieces offense for Fitzpatrick's style, who's a gunslinger, to Tua's style, which is not at all. Tua's got a better deep ball than people give him credit for because let's go back to that championship game with Jalen Waddell and, oh, my God, uh-huh. who threw that pass? <laughs> uh, it just happened to be Tua. But yep. you go to all that, and it's just the fact that, like, it was a rookie season. He wasn't still 100% healthy coming off that injury, admittedly from the team and himself. Thrust into a situation where it was this hybrid like, just commit to one or the other, stop trying to straddle mm-hmm. the fence. And then look at his weapons. Yeah, Devontae Parker banged up essentially the entire year, hamstring at the beginning, hamstring at the end, sandwiched in between inconsistency, no Preston Williams. Mike Kosicki was his number one. Again, mm-hmm. give the By guy far. a pass. Jakeem yeah, Grant so, was getting a lot of run. Where I'll say this from the comment. This is why I put that article out every single year is last year's trash, dumpster dive, whatever you want to call it. Because the jokes aside from guffawing, as you said, is that perception of players that people get ticked off about is where you make your rewards in your drafts. Is because those are the players you draft because oh, I'm not getting to it ever again. Did you see what happened last year? And then you get them at a discount and now you get the value way more than you would have even got as normal price. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been in on Tua. I, I think I, you know, I was never buying into, uh, you know, him 
looking and being as as crappy as he looked last year in that passing game. Um, I know, you know, I feel very comfortable with him as a passer. I think what really comes down to, to it and his value is how much is he going to run? Because if he's the guy he was last year, I think he had 100 yards in 10 games. Like, he's not – you can't rank him ahead of, like, Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and those guys that are, you know, going to pass. No. But – so does he have 300 yards, 400 yards in him on the ground? Does he have four or five rushing rushing so. touchdowns? Then I think, you know, ranking him in the mid-teens, is, even as much as we like him, is probably being a little bit, uh, you know, being a little bit too much on that. So um, we'll see. I think the X factor is how much he runs. Depending on where you prefer to get your ADP from, QB 20, QB 22, and pretty safe to say that that's the range he's going to be in uh, when we are royally all sitting down to draft, which again, we are now in. Something else I want to get to here is another Miami backfield check-in. I've seen a a few places where this is being spun as another check mark against Miles Gaskin, and I just don't really by that personally he played 19 first team snaps Malcolm Brown played five Jake you said a little earlier in the show Savan Ahmed was the guy who got worked in a little bit more and that's really what's being used as the check mark against Gaskin that oh well Savan Ahmed got the the 13 first team snaps and Gaskin got 19 so you know is he not going to control the backfield the way he did last year six carries four targets Turned those 10 opportunities, caught all four of his targets, so he turned those 10 opportunities into 10 touches for 81 or 71 yards, excuse me, and two touchdowns. Like, I don't know. I, I sort of side with what Jake was saying last week that maybe this was just let's see Malcolm Brown with the first team, let's see Savon Ackman with the first team, but Miles Gaskin is still our guy. Jake, you still feel very comfortable about Miles Gaskin and his role in Miami? I, I think comfortable is never the best word for it, but to a similar situation with Williams is it, it doesn't really change. He's he's the lead though, which is the good thing. So um, I think the bigger concern we had out of week one was that Gaskin could be 65, 70% of the usage where week one of the preseason told us, okay, maybe it's 50 with other people being the other 50. So after week two, I think that's held true. Yes, it's Gaskin the lead, but you total the other two backs and it's Gaskin. So he's giving up 50%. And I think that's the issue is he's giving up 50%. So the concerns from week one were warranted. You pushed Gaskin down from some people wanted to put him inside the top 20, a really strong RB2 to now, you know what? He's kind of a high-end RB3, fringe RB2. You understand mm-hmm. you're going to get some inconsistency there because no matter if it's Ahmed or Brown or Brown or Ahmed, I think that's the role that's out there is that People don't know much about Ahmed and realize that he's a decent pass catcher. He's even been praised by Flores. So where I'm not as bullish as Funston is on Gaskin, I think this usage of the two weeks in a row tells us Gaskin's the constant. It's just maybe not the constant people wanted. It's instead of 65, it's 50%. Yeah, and 50%. You know, look at Miami last year. They had like 423 running back touches. If he's getting 50%, that's you know, 210, 215 touches, 40 of them, 50 of them as, as receptions. I mean, Tua and, and Miles, you know, they did great work in the passing game last year down the stretch, and it, you know, it seems like it's carrying over. So I think that still works out pretty nicely in fantasy if that's the way it breaks down. If he gets 40 to 50 catches and 215 touches, yeah, maybe I'm a, I've been a little bit higher, but I've moved him down a little bit into the mid-20s. I think that's still fair, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it was t- it's totally fair to move him down if you had him at RB nineteen to twenty one. Yeah. But let's not get right. crazy here. He's still RB 
24 to 27, depending on your taste for, yeah, that's fair. for what he offers, what Miami's offers. Yeah, it's totally a fair spot for him to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, a few more topics that I want to do, discuss with you. I want to talk about what went down with the New England and Philly game this weekend. First, let's talk about Damian Harris. Any concerns here, similar to the conversation we've had? I feel like there's maybe not a ton of cause for concern with Damian Harris. It feels like the Patriots are playing things as we would expect them to. Uh, he got eight first-team snaps. James White got five. Sony Michelle got four. If you were going to paint this as a negative for Damian William or Damian Harris, excuse me. I think what you would say is that Sonny Michelle played four first team snaps. You don't love to see that since they would, you know, f- we would figure they would inhabit similar roles in this offense. And then James White got four snaps on first and second downs. We really want to see James White as a third down back if we are buying Damian Harris. So, Jake, did you take anything away from this good, bad, neutral, whatever it might be on Damian Harris? No, it's just more frustration you know I was I'm, a, I'm in on Damian Harris I've brought this up many times I'm not backtracking on that at all and for where he's going he's still worth it because he could mm-hmm. break free and be it's sim- you know it's similar to Gaskin if it's 50 percent that's fine you know it's like 50 percent you know not every running back can be 65 70 percent and 50 percent of consistent usage where he again I've seen a lot of pushback. People, he only caught the ball what was it, like four or five times last year, stuff like that. He's like, what? He's a good pass catcher. He's not great. He's not James White. He's not even the tier behind James White. But he can be used in the passing game. Where I think maybe it's similar to Nick Chubb, if used fifty-five, sixty percent of the over the season, he probably gets twenty, twenty-five receptions. So it's not the worst. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it lets him stay on the field more. You're right. My concern was my real upside was hoping that Sony Michelle might not be a hundred percent. It might not even make the opening day roster when they drafted Stevenson, who has continued to look great. But, he, of course, he's been looking great with second-team units on both sides of the ball, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but J.J. Taylor's been out there. So if J.J. Taylor is the one that gets cut, you know, and Sonny Michelle's still around, it just, yeah, it still lives, leaves a little bit of a concern. But I think we're hoping for the 50% use. And it's actually better for Harris if Cam Newton's the quarterback even though people think he's going to take the touchdowns away. It's, again, mm-hmm. Cam Newton's had plenty of good running backs next to him because he opens things up, even though he takes a few touchdowns away. Um, I think that Mac Jones probably looks more to the James White and his receivers route. So as crazy as that might sound to some people, I'd rather Cam Newton be at quarterback for Damian Harris. Yeah, it would it would be nice if, like, Sonny Michelle and Ramondre Stevenson and even J.J. Taylor would stop balling out as well. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it, I mean, this is a right back. But we, people, you know, forget New England. It's just like, it, if you ever had, like, one guy that kind of had a well, you know, well majority of the sh- of the shares there in the backfield, be a really nice running back because they have a really good offensive line. They were ninth in, in uh, fantasy running back production last year, and that was, you know, Rex Burkhead and James White and and Damian Harris. It was just a, you know it's a, the usual socialist approach that we've always seen. The pro, if we ever see a guy get over fifty percent, like like Jake said with Damian Harris, uh, it can be very good. It doesn't have to be sixty seventy percent. Yep, and he's he's being drafted in that range. Like you. 
There is plenty of room to be happy with Damian Harris getting 50% of the touches, as Jake said. RB32, guys you're seeing in that same range, Michael Carter, Raheem Mostert, Melvin Gordon, Ronald Jones. You can like or dislike any of those guys in comparison with Damian Harris, but I don't think you could say that's an unfair spot for Damian Harris to be going, uh, even if he is getting just 50% of the touches. So really, it does sort of feel like a, a potential to be drafting profit only so long as he stays at that 50% floor. How about Jacoby Myers, you guys? He feels like a guy who maybe needs a little bit more attention here. We did see Nelson Aguilar get on the field uh, for New England in this game, but Jacoby Myers ended up having himself a very nice performance yet again. And let's remember that he only played really in the second half of last season. He played all 15 first-team snaps, got all three of his targets for 56 yards and a touchdown. Jake, if you're drafting today or if you're auctioning on Saturday like you are, where are you taking Jacoby Myers? How are you putting a value on him? I have a lot of Jacoby Myers, so go avoid him. Hey, you know you don't want to get cursed by me. Uh, it's he falls into this similar range of these wide receivers that we're just talking about volume and it's volume, volume, volume. He's, you know, Marvin Jones, similar situation. Although I would take Marvin Jones ten times out of ten over Jacoby Myers. Mm-hmm. It's, everybody's chasing the number one, and when sometimes bam, slap there in the face the entire time. You know, Nelson Aguilar, they brought him in. He also can't stay healthy, and he's just came back. But it's still been Jacoby. Jacoby Myers has been the consistent. He's been there, the number one one option this entire time everybody's trying to figure out the other guys it's the Daryl Henderson situation with the Rams backfield it's your answer's there why are you trying to figure out Xavier Jones and the rest of the which now just got flipped because it's now Jake Funk all of a sudden Jake stop Funk trying time. to stop <laughs> like stop trying to ignore the obvious answer in your face uh I'll bring up another one I know people might not want to because of off-field stuff but the number two receiver for the Bills is Cole Beasley it's there it's in your face stop ignoring it yeah and here's the thing to remember like Nelson Aguilar is is just a guy I mean he he played off you know play action off of that Raiders running game and Darren Waller and caught like eight touchdown passes a bunch of deep plays he caught 48 mm-hmm. balls he's never been really that good yeah. he just parlayed you know eight touchdowns and being the Raiders best receiver into a nice you know free agent payday but all like Jacoby might like default right, situation exactly. too where he was the best yeah, receiver I mean the, the Eagles <laughs> didn't you know didn't cry when he left town I mean so uh yeah. look at Jacoby Myers has been the number one guy since he since he Here's showed up last year, he, you know, in a, in like maybe the worst passing game situation, he was the guy that actually salvaged some yes. value. If he could actually find the end zone, he would have been, you know, we would have been talking about him a lot mm-hmm. more. But he found it in this last preseason game. I was looking it up. He has 85 career catches. He has no touchdowns yet in the NFL in a regular season game. But we saw him score this past weekend, so maybe uh, maybe he's on the way to something good there. Yeah, that changes in a big way, I have a feeling, this season. Jacoby Myers definitely needs more attention. This passing game cannot, cannot, cannot possibly be worse than it was a year ago, and Jacoby Myers was able to turn that into a useful fantasy situation. Have to believe he'll do the same again this year. On the other side of this game, is it time, Brandon, to move our guy, Dallas Goddard, down the rankings? Because Zach Ertz is still here Time is running out to trade Zach Ertz, and this is just going to be a shared situation. And we even saw Richard Rodgers out there getting three first-team snaps with the Eagles offense. I mean, Dallas Goddard should still be drafted as a tight end one because of the state of the tight end position, but should he be moving behind guys like, I don't know, Noah Fant and Tyler Higby? Should he now be at the back end of that tier of Unfortunately, I have to say yes. Uh, you know, look, at I, I was kind of like going into this year ranking Goddard as if, Ertz wasn't going to be there. If Ertz doesn't go away, like you can look at the game log. I mean, Dallas Goddard was in terms of 
fantasy points per game, a top 10 tight end last year, but his two big games were when Zach Ertz was gone. He had one good game in week one when Ertz was there, and he had another decent game when Ertz had just come back from injury in week 13, but it was week 11 and week 12 where Goddard had the two big days and and Ertz wasn't there. So yeah, I think you do have to move him down. You have to kind of hope that this situation figures itself out in terms of Zach Ertz being somewhere else ultimately. Uh, But if they're both healthy and playing, yeah, it's kind of more like tight end 12 to 15 than it is tight end 10 to 8 to 10, you know, kind of right in that range. Oh, you want to get me to... I, don't I would really love for you to, to chime in on this, Jake. I, I, I already pushed him down last week. So I'm like, I'm, I'm right in... We already talked about it. I pushed him behind Logan Thomas and Tanyan, and, you know, yeah. it's, he's still fringe tight end one short, but until Zach Ertz goes away, which might not happen at this point it's just the opportunities it's similar to the troutman situation but different is want you on the field one that's not happening for goddard but also if you're on the field and you want to run routes not happening for troutman you need you need opportunities for tight ends all right there are two more things that i want to get to here that come from different games so let's just jump in and let's try to get through them relatively quickly, quickly here terrace marshall has been one of the more exciting players through the first two weeks of the preseason he gave us uh, some big plays in week one of the preseason and then in week two played all seven first team snaps for Carolina caught all three of his targets for 50 yards Robbie Anderson did play DJ Moore did not play we know exactly what this team is in the passing game with those guys in the regular season it's DJ Moore it's Robbie Anderson Terrace Marshall probably going to be limited to three wide receiver sets is there enough in Carolina's offense, Jake, for Terrace Marshall to be a three-receiver set only and fantasy contributor type of player? Nope. But then, yes, <laughs> if somebody gets hurt. Like, like you know, I love Terrace Marshall and yeah. said that, you know, the biggest thing is that he makes make sure to realize that you can't get away with your athleticism at the NFL, start running your routes more crisp. But it, mm-hmm. when it comes down to a natural talent, one of the better ones in that draft class, period, it just – doesn't get great separation because he's lazy, uh, but that's because he's so damn good. If he corrects that and Robbie Anderson can't get healthy, and this isn't the first time Robbie Anderson's dealt with injuries, you know, if he misses time, if DJ Moore misses time, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't come back and he misses time again, but the problem is one of those three, any of the three, one of those three goes down, mm-hmm. Terrace Marshall yeah. all over it, like skyrocket. But right now, no. Brandon, let me ask you this similar sort of question because we're seeing another guy in a similar situation. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. If you can have one of those guys late in the draft, are you going for Marshall? Or uh, I will go for Marshall because, look, at I mean, even if someone goes down in Cleveland, they're all about that backfield. It's going to be run-centric, and I just feel like if someone gets hurt in Carolina, the ceiling's higher. Look, at Teddy Bridgewater was a quarterback last year. They had three top 25 wide receivers, and Bridgewater threw 15 touchdowns. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened, but <laughs> I believe in Joe Brady and the upside of that passing offense uh-huh. more so than I believe in, in the Browns if something were to open up for Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, I'm with you there. If I'm chasing one of those guys, I'm chasing Marshall. I've been chasing Philip Lindsay quite a bit in drafts all season, and I felt pretty good about myself last week when they're like, yep, David Johnson, third down, see you, Dave. We'll talk to you on third downs, and that's about it. But then, see Mark Ingram get six snaps uh, out snapping uh, Philip Lindsay six to four in this game. Is there anything to see here? Or are we still thinking that this is Philip Lindsay on first and second down uh, pretty comfortably in Houston? What do you got? Brandon? I got this is Jets 2020 all over again, where it just might not ever end up mattering if it's Michael P. Ryan or Frank Gore or whoever was, you know, whoever we were talking about last year with the Jets. Cause I don't yep. even hardly remember anymore because it, mattered so little and I just don't <laughs> think it's going to matter especially not going to matter if they want to use all these guys 
You know, I like at the way it's going right now, I don't think that there's just going to be like this true featured guy. So if that's the case, whatever. We can play the, you know, the ups and downs of the of the narrative of who's kind of stepping up each week in preseason. But if they're going to use David Johnson and Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay in some ways and they're not sitting these guys each week, then I just don't care. That's it. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, then I'm gonna I'm gonna end this on a little bit more of a bang. I can't let us go out on that. I can't let us uh, go out on that's it. Don't <laughs> care. So let's talk about the Baltimore backfield. I had this as a reserve topic in case we needed it. I don't know if we need it, but at least it's a little bit more fun. Why are we talking about this? Because Gus Edwards played more snaps than J.K. Doppins, and Gus Edwards played a fair amount of third downs in uh, the Ravens game this past weekend. Jake, you've, uh, you know what? Both you guys have been adopt- two of Dobbins' biggest supporters. Does this worry you at all, Jake, seeing Edwards get more snaps and more third down snaps? No. I mean, maybe if you want to say J.K. Dobbins shouldn't be RB1, but, you know, top end RB2, is that's what he should be, and no problem with it, especially they don't have any wide receivers right now. So, go, as I said on Twitter, watch me do Vernene. That's, that's, that's what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, DuVernay. Love him. Uh, look it. 150 carries, 750 yards. Gus Edwards, there you go. Same as it ever was. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what <laughs> else there, you know, what else we should expect Draft with Gus Edwards uh-huh. other than he is going to be that, you know, that complimentary Latavius Murray kind of back to the lead back, J.K. Dobbins. I'm with you, J.K. But you can start yeah, Edwards. You can start him in your flexes, you know, if mm-hmm. you have to. He's more that he's more that complimentary Gus Edwards type of back is really who <laughs> Gus Edwards is, right? Uh, Latavius Murray wants to be Gus Edwards more than Gus Edwards wants to be Latavius Murray, and I'm with you guys too. You know, this is uh, just you, you, we're probably we'll probably see something like this happen at some point in the regular season, right? We'll see a game where Gus Edwards outsnaps J.K. Dobbins just because. They both have these roles in the backfield where they can be a little bit fungible. So we'll probably see that happen in the regular season. And when it happens in the regular season, it's not like we're going to get all up in arms about Dobbins' role. So we probably shouldn't do it in the preseason as well. But that's what we do for you on Mondays here in August on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We go over the preseason games because we give you a pass if you weren't grinding them all weekend long. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. All of those great things, please do that. We appreciate it, and we definitely appreciate you checking us out on YouTube. The three of us, we are back on Thursday. This show returns on Wednesday with Nando DeFino, Chris Vaccaro, and Brandon Marianne Lee. And hey, our Friday episode debuts this week. We are going to be focusing on NFL gambling on Fridays. That is me, our Raiders beat writer, Vic Tafer, our Cleveland Browns beat writer, Zach Jackson. This Friday, we are going to be digging into season-long player props. We will be with you every Friday starting this week through the end of the season. We are very excited. We hope you join us for that as well. For Brandon and Jake, I am Michael Beller. We'll talk to you all soon. Have a great day.